Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 7. We're going to read one verse of Scripture, and then we'll jump into this this morning. Luke 2 and 7. And I believe the Lord is going to do a work here today. And here's, here's the other good thing. And my wife always threatens me with long preaching, and so you're in good hands today. Tough crowd. I figured that would get a little bit of a laugh, but you guys aren't wanting to laugh at anything, so I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna try anymore. To be honest with you, if it happens, <laughs> let's look at this together. Luke chapter two, verse seven. The Bible says, "And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. There was no room for them in the inn." As I said already, I'm going to speak at the simple topic of make room. I know we pray, but one more time, I'm just going to ask the Lord to have his way. Lord, we ask you right now in Jesus' name to bless and anoint this word. Your word's anointed, but I pray for it to be anointed as it comes into our minds and our hearts, God, forever changed. God, I'm asking you to do it. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm often reminded of the many times we would travel, my family would travel to Indiana for Christmas. I was a kid, and my parents would come in our conversion van. Yes, we were one of those families. We, we at one point there at the end of our conversion van days, we, we elevated ourselves to a, a high-rise conversion van. That was when it was like, that was when it was going on. We had a, like an eight-inch screen in there with a VCR. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> that back bed, you'd hit a button, and that back, that back couch would turn into a bed. We were high living. I don't understand that. Was that legal, by the way? Was it legal to sleep back there in like the bed? I don't know. But we would travel to Indiana, and, and we would always go when they had a, a, um, a Christmas event they would, they would put on at my grandfather's church. And there was one man that always, always dressed up like Santa. He was a sweet guy named Tom, really, really good man, great family man, awesome guy, just always, always good. And, um, and he, he, he would sit and, and all the kids would go up and they would have like a moment where, you know, the 20 or 30 or 40, whatever kids were that, there that day, would, would come up and you would, you would come up to Tom and Tom would say, what do you want? But it was Santa, by the way. So Santa would say, what do you want for Christmas? All these kids were having these great um, um, requests. They were asking for all these things. And here are, here's, here's my family. And I'm the first of the prize kids because my younger sister wasn't going to go and, 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 and embark on this Santa experience. But here we are. We're the, we're the family that has left Indiana for Arkansas. Yeah. We're, we're, the, we're, we're the rednecks of the bunch. My dad left Indiana 
and married the southern girl, and now we're in Arkansas. And so I'm, I'm, I'm climbing up to Santa's lap, and it's quiet, and here's, here's the guests, which they expected us to come. But here's the Sweet Price family, and I'm the first one, and I'm sitting there on Santa's lap, and, and they ask the question, what would you like for Christmas? And the microphone is placed in front of me, and I respond with socks. I would like some socks. I, 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 in that moment, my mom and dad, in total embarrassment, and, and, and not really excited about my answer. They, they didn't have time to tell everybody the context is this morning when he was getting dressed, the socks that we packed him for church had a hole in them. And so all that was on my mind was, I need some socks. I just need some socks. And so here I, here I sat, needing socks. And, and the reality is, is that, that oftentimes your circumstances produce a need in you in that moment that supersedes whatever you got going on. And, and how you approach this week and how you come into this week, um, whatever's been pushing on you on the outside, whatever's been prodding you and whatever's been kind of notifying you of attention, that's what's going to get the attention because um, we, we, we walk into the week with the context of our current situation. Here in this text, we find where, um, in, in preceding this text, we find where Mary and Joseph were on their way. And the Bible tells us, as, as we know, that there was a decree made and they had to make a journey 80 miles from Nazareth into Bethlehem. And they were eager to make this trip, even though it would have been hard on Mary. She was... Um, very ready to, um, to have this child, Jesus. But yet, she probably was eager to get away from the talking um, and the, the murmuring that was going on in Nazareth. So she, they make their way and they come into this place. And they, they, they find themselves as they walk in and this, this, this um, crown of motherhood had rested upon, upon Mary. And, and, and she was, she was um, ready to, to have heaven's child and she she is now at this point where where everyone was looking and and and, and at one point the world and 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 all that were there were, were were looking for the return of a king and 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 looking for the moment that would come and 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 there were songs being sung and and prophets declaring for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government shall be Upon his shoulder, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And he, this, this son, he's the word made flesh that's come to dwell among us full of grace and in truth. And his birth would be an event so glorious that all of heaven would be in wonder of it. And, and, and the star that was pointing in his direction and notifying where he was, all that was going on and all that was saying, for there is a, uh, there is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And, and in the background, if you can imagine with me, a, a choir, as you could uh, dramatically um, produce it, a choir would be singing, and, and the star would be pointing, and, and, and shepherds would be hearing, and, and, and you'd have wise men traveling, all that was going on, and they're praising and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. Goodwill towards me and all that was going on, all that was happening. 
But in the midst of all of these very things, in, in, in the midst of all that was happening amongst God's people, there was a sin-darkened world, and, 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 and there, was a, there was a world that was longing for something else and looking for something else, much like we have and we live in today. You see, the reality is, is that Christmas is less about Christ than it's ever been. Christmas is less about the story of Christmas, and Christmas is less about the story of a Savior than it's ever been. It's more about everything else, to be honest with you. And in this world, we don't have the longing and the looking and the expectation that we once had. We, 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 we've now shifted in a, in a way, and I dare to even say that it's even shifted into the church, the business of all that's going on, and in the, the work that happens, and all that we do at times we feel as if, and it would seem as if the story of Christmas is overshadowed by many other things, but I've come today to urge you to make room. Make room. I, I don't know. I, I've come today just to urge you to maybe make a space and to push away in your agenda and push away in all that's happening. And we didn't coordinate the song in this, but it was well said when they would check off everything on the list and call it a day. I've come to tell you that maybe you turn the list over and start the list all over again and make sure that on the list you... Make room for Jesus and make room for a Savior that came with a message. And make sure you make room to let everybody know that Christ is born into Bethlehem. And there is hope in a dark world, a world that's darker than it's ever been. There's still a light that's being shown from the heavens to let somebody know that you might have been lost. But I've come with hope and hope forevermore. I've come to give you life and life. Everlasting. You see, in spite of all the vast multitudes of this holy season without Christ, Without Christ, it's merely a shadow of nothing and it's merely a corpse of no life and, and beauty gone away. This is simply true. This is simply true for the world that we live in for those who don't know him but also even those who do know him. We find ourselves living out a hollow Christmas if it's not prepared for him. It's not something we've offered and, and longed for him to come in and, and, and be with us. And so my question in this text we find here, my question would be, is why did not this innkeeper make room for Jesus? I guess we could also ask the question is why do we also not make room for Jesus? Why do we also not shift things about and move things around and figure out and accommodate and make sure we make room. And I, I'm going to talk about three, three reasons why I would say possibly that he did not make room. And that first reason we would find here is that simply the innkeeper may have failed to make room because he was not expecting him. He wasn't expecting him. He, 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 he wasn't simply just wasn't expecting him. Perhaps he neither thought nor had hope of Jesus' coming. He, he, he had lost that, that, that urgency, the, the longing desire that happens when you are 
expecting something. The, the word expect in this, and we can find that's used in the word of God often comes with the context of, of a, a certainty of its arrival. And so it's much the same where if you, uh, if I can just make you all a little more hungry than you are, if you were to pick up the phone and call Papa John's, I got somebody right now. This is not sponsored, but it can be. I'm always looking for a sponsorship. (laughs) If If you picked up the phone and called and you were even one of those people that are so eager to download the app, there's some of you in the house that were you that that app, by the way, doesn't mean a thing. It never means it's made and it never means it's on its way, by the way. They're just that's just that's set that way. But um, but but if if you put the if you call and put in the order and, and the kids come in from outside and say, What are we having for dinner? and you say, We're having Papa John's, I've already ordered it, then you're not making anything else. You got nothing on the stovetop. You've got nothing in the oven. You have already made room in your life expecting that something else is showing up. You know that something is on its way. And the reality is, is that many of us have not made room for him because we've already figured out how to fill that void. We've already been preparing something else. We've already put something else in the place of where he should be in our lives. And so when everyone says, why is there no Christ in your Christmas? It's because you did not set an expectation for him to show up in your Christmas. Everything that's showing up in your Christmas is what you made room for in your life. But I've come to ask, is there a way or a chance that you would say, I'm changing the schedule and I'm changing the plans and I'm changing my expectations and I've got my eyes set on something that's greater and something that will come in and visit me. I'm making room. I'm expecting for it to happen. I'm looking for this to happen. I'm expecting for this to come. You see, the thing about the early church is the early church lived with a tiptoe expectation. They were constantly looking. They were constantly wondering. They walked with this mindset in this phrase called Maranatha, simply meaning the Lord is coming. They greeted each other with that. They braced each other with that simple word of Maranatha. The Lord is coming. Everywhere they went, they said Maranatha. Everywhere they left, they walked out saying Maranatha. When the kids left for the field, they would say Maranatha. They wanted everyone to know that you better be ready. The Lord is coming back. He's going to come back in. He's going to walk back into our lives. He's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. You see, I got a bad doctor's report. Well, Maranatha. I've got a problem that rose up in my life. Well, Maranatha. The Lord is coming back. Everything's going to be okay, and it's time. The church gets back to a place where we say, I wasn't living for this world anymore. I wasn't living for this world anyways. Maranatha, he's made a way. He's going to make a way. He's going to do a work. The Lord is coming back. The Lord is coming. 
I'm talking about the way the elders lived, the way that they used to live back before church was cool. I'm talking about where they woke up and they said, I don't know what's going to happen, but the Lord is coming. I don't know how we're going to make it work, but the Lord is coming. He's coming. You see, they didn't expect him, so they didn't make room for him. They weren't looking anymore. The innkeeper wasn't looking anymore. He wasn't, he wasn't seeing this as, as something that was possible that day. He was, and, and in his defense, he was probably caught up in the mess of all the, of all the, the census. He had everybody coming in, and, and he always had one like me that they say 100% guaranteed. But if, if it wasn't perfect in the room, then you got to come down and make sure that, y'all don't judge me, but if, if you say 100% guaranteed, I better be 100% guaranteed. You know what I'm talking about? Because if there wasn't someone like me out there, then that 100% turns into 45% guaranteed. Ain't nobody like me in the house right now. If you're so bold to say it, I'm going to make sure you check it up. The innkeeper was dealing with people, bad customers. He was dealing with people that were frustrating him. He was dealing with all the hustle and the bustle. But the reality is, is that, that you can't get caught up in life and miss the appearance of Jesus I can't do it. So our lack of hope may defeat the reality of our Lord stepping into a situation and stepping in to our lives. You see, there are moments in the Bible, the Bible speaks about there are certain villages that he walked into and, and we find there are villages that he walked in and people's lives were changed and, and lives were touched and there were healings, but there were other villages that he walked into. And he walked out and no lives were changed. We read simply he passed through. And the only difference between passing in and changing things and passing through and not doing a work was the expectancy of the people in those borders. And every, every hour he is knocking at the door of our hearts. Every hour he's seeking a mission into our perplexed and troubled lives. And, and, and he's longing and hoping that we would make room, but our, our, our lack of expectancy and hope might have shut the door. So they, 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 he wasn't expecting them. Number two, I want you to, 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 to look with me, but the, the other reason why possibly he wasn't making room was that he simply, he, he, he simply um, did not recognize him. You say, well, that's simple. No, no, he, he, didn't, he didn't recognize him. You see, he, he came to him as the unborn Christ. He did not have your chance or mine, but his failure to recognize Jesus was perhaps due far more to the fact that he was not expecting him. He was not expecting him uh, um, in the guise by which he came. That is almost always the case, that we expect him to come in a different way. We expect him to enter. You see, Naaman was the same way when Naaman began to turn and reject what the prophet was saying. Naaman, Naaman wasn't willing to go down and wash three, uh, seven times. He was more willing to move a, uh, overtake a whole city. He was more willing to accomplish uh, moving a mountain. But because he was asked to do something everybody else could do, he almost missed out on being healed from leprosy. And the reality is, is that many times you, 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 
maybe don't expect him, but also you don't recognize that this could be the work of the Lord in my life. This, is, this could be God doing a work in my situation. This could be God making a way in my situation. You saw it as maybe a valley, but the Lord wanted to take you down into the valley because water had collected into the valley, and he knew you were thirsty on that day. So he said, I'm going to take them down the mountain and walk them into some trouble simply to give them a drink to make them ready for the rest of the you said it was something to destroy you but the Lord said no you don't recognize it right now but I'm going to make a way if you'll just make room for me if you'll just make room for what I want to do in your life he didn't recognize it he wasn't seeing it as something that could happen this is almost always the case because their lack of expectancy had put out their eyes, they did not see this as something that could happen. There's always those in the day, there's always those that we could, we could speak of, but there's also some like Simeon, who was some of the, uh, one of the elect group, and, and he managed this, and Luke tells us how, and tells us why in Luke 25, uh, 20, uh, 2 and 25, the secret of which he, which he possessed and how he rec- recognized something. He simply says, I'm on the lookout for the consolation of Israel. He, he, he looks up and he sees something. He, he saw something. He saw a woman darken the door uh, with, with, with carrying a babe. And when he looked and saw this, he saw this, this expectant saint was able to recognize that in that little child, the anointed of Jehovah was resting. Having recognized him, he at once took him into the arms of his heart and he said that I understand who you are and I see you who you are. He said these words, Lord, now let us thou, uh, thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. You see some looked and saw a child of poor condition, but others looked and saw a Savior who reached down into the lowest the lows and was coming into this world to give us salvation to give us hope the third thing I want you to see today is perhaps the innkeeper did not open the door to Jesus because he simply did not want him this is honestly this is the case with many but you would say, no, 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 people want him. No, I'm, I know, but it's, it's a little bit different than just simply saying, I don't want him. Imagine, imagine, imagine with me right now, someone comes to your house and says, I want to give you the keys to this, to this, you know, I don't know, my, my son loves a McLaren. Rutley's favorite car is a McLaren. Rutley will never own a McLaren. Unless Rutley makes a whole lot of money because daddy ain't buying a McLaren. <clears throat> but someone walked in and said, I want to give you a McLaren. Well, here's the reality. You, you, you want that car. We all would like to have that car, right? I mean, I don't know if anybody in the building would not like to have the car. But, but the reality is, is that I can say right now, I don't want the McLaren. Because I've been to the DMV before. And I know about something called sales tax. And you say you want the McLaren, but when that lady gets done typing those seven words that took 45 minutes, and she finally raises 
those eyes and lowers those glasses and says, that will be, and gives you the number that you weren't expecting. I remember the first time I got a car, and, and I, I, I did not realize. I had already purchased the car. Now I got to give y'all money too? And then I had to make the call to something called insurance. And insurance ain't no joke. And then I had to go to the gas station. And then I had to get the oil changed. And guess what? Then I had brakes go out. You got one. Here's the reality. I don't want the McLaren. Because I don't want to make room in my budget for all the expenses that come with the McLaren. Which is exactly why many say, say, I don't want Jesus. It's not that you don't want Jesus. It's that they don't want to make room in their life for the expense of Jesus. That, that people don't want to stop and say, no, I don't, I don't want to give up that. And I don't, want to, I don't want to give my time in that way. And I don't... I don't want to put my focus on this or that. No, I, I like my life as it is. And I don't want to pay the price that comes along with serving Jesus. And so if I, if I can just admire your Jesus and I can just look and see your Jesus, I don't want him for myself, but I like to look and see. I want to take a picture with your Jesus. I want to post a picture of me and your Jesus on Instagram because your Jesus has been conditioned with the relationship and the commitment that you've given. But I don't want to give that because I like my life the way it is. I don't want to make room in my life for Jesus. It's very possibly something the innkeeper was looking at. He looked and he saw a woman that had nothing else. He saw a man that was tired and weary and he saw the new arrival of a baby and he simply said this is going to be more blankets. This is going to be more water. This is going to be more heat. And I don't have time nor worry to give to the situation. So I'm not going to make room for them in the end. I've come to let somebody know today that it's not going to cost you too much to let him in. It's not going to take anything away from your Christmas to let him in. It's not going to move anything out of your life to let him in. Actually, it might cost you a little heartache and it might cost you a little depression and worry, but when you allow Jesus into your life, everything else goes away and you find that I get peace in the place of sorrow and I get help in the place of sickness and I get goodness in the place of worry. I've come today to tell somebody, make room, make room, get things out of the way, rearrange some things, put some things here and put some things there, but make sure you've got a place for Jesus. I gotta make room, I gotta make room. I've got to make sure there's room. I can't just move about. I can't go away the same way I can. I've got to make room for Jesus. I've got to make room. I feel like somebody's understanding right now. Sometimes it's worth trading in sorrow for victory. 
Sometimes it's worth laying down some things and picking up some things for the goodness of God. It's not going to cost me too much. It's worth it. It's, it's, it, might, it might seem a little bit out of your way, but it's worth it. it might, you got to get back to expecting some things. you got to get back to some hope in life and say, God, I knew you would show up. Today I knew when I got up, out of the, I knew something was going to be different. I knew something was going to change. I knew you were going to make I expected that to happen. I expected it. I, I, I expected it. I, I knew it was going to happen. I knew he'd make a way. I'm talking about when you can say confidently after God makes a way, you can look at your spouse or your kids and you can say, I knew he was going to do it. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't worried. I knew he was going to make a way. I remember when I was a kid, you think it's small things. I thought it was a big thing. We, we grew up wearing kangaroo. So you might know what I'm talking about. The ones that had the pocket on the side. The ones you could put your lunch money in the side. Everybody else was wearing Nikes and Jordans. But the Price family, we were wearing some little $17 kangaroo shoes. And I was embarrassed. And I, but I, I learned that it's okay. I went to school wearing the kangaroos. I went home wearing the kangaroos. I wore them out. Guess what? When I needed new shoes, my mom and dad said, well, we'll go to the store. And guess what? I got new kangaroos. Until one day, until one day, until one day my mom pulls up and she had in the front seat some Jordans. And I looked at her and I said, whose are these? She said, baby, those are yours. And I said, I got some Jordans. She said, that's before we called them J's. But I, I ain't got no J's. I had Jordans back then. But I put them on and I said, mom, how did this work out? She said, babe, the Lord made a way. She let me know on that day that these are just shoes. But I want to let you know that you've done made a I never ever doubted that he wouldn't show up. I knew he was going to make a way. From that day on I've never forgotten the lesson that I was taught in simply having a nice pair of shoes. I've learned to live my life knowing that God's going to make a way. I'm looking here and I'm looking there. I've made room in my life for him to make a way out of no way. He's going to make a way. My, my wife and I went on a journey this year. We, we planted a church, and, and for 10 years, we gave everything we had. We literally gave everything we had. We built out a building that was nothing but a shell. We didn't have at the time anything coming in. But all I needed to do was wake up, work my job, and everything we got paid during that time was going to sheetrock and insulation and all the things we needed. It was so bad at one point. I was scared to open the mail. It was so bad at one point. I didn't want to go in the house, but I knew, and we kept on communicating that God's going to make a way. I'd given everything I had to the church, and I didn't know what to do, but one day I made up in my mind. I'm driving to the post office, and I begin to set my eyes on him, and I kid you not, when I opened the post office door, I saw something that it looked like maybe, possibly a little bit of miracle inside, and I opened that envelope up, and a neighboring pastor down south in another state wrote a letter to us and said, this is not for your church, but this is for you and your wife. And everything we needed was right there in that check. I walked into that house and had that letter open, and I said, babe, we knew God was going to make a way. We didn't make room for anything else, but we said, this is God's, and God will make a way. Everything 
we need it was taken care of. You see, I had to, I had to get rid of doubt. I, I had to come up here real fast. I wish I'd have picked a shorter guy. I just realized many ways. I always pick up the tall guys that can walk on the platform like it's a regular step. What are you doing, bro? I would need a robe if I did that. But listen to me. Sometimes we get so caught up in all the stuff. Sometimes we get so caught up in all the things that we, we got everything else under control. Sorry, Amanda. We got everything else under control. And we got all this other stuff. And we walk through life. And we, we walk through life. And we go through life. And we do all these things. And, and we have all these really, really nice Kleenex holders, by the way. But we have all... All the stuff. And we got everything else we need. Because we got everything else we need, we don't need anything else. We've stopped looking. We've stopped longing. We've stopped expecting. We, we, we got it all. I don't need anything else. I've got everything I need. And so there's nothing we long for. And because of that, there's no need that we have of anything beyond what we already possess. And I wish we'd get back a little bit to the mindset and to the idea of I've set my eyes on the hill from where my help comes from. I'm looking up. You see what they were saying? Was there some that are walking through these walls? There's some that are walking through these roads while we're on our way to worship. And there's thieves that come in the night. There's thieves that come in here and there. And what he was saying that day, the psalmist was saying, I don't look at what's coming to get me. And I don't look at what's coming to make me less. But I've got my eyes set on something higher. And my help comes from the Lord. We got all this stuff. And because of this, we don't have room for anything else. My hands are full. One, one, one story was written about this French man that sat in the park one day. He looked around and saw, and, and I'm sorry, he, he looked at, and, and he saw and heard all the nightingales singing. He wondered, why do I not have nightingales singing in my, in my property, my land? What, why are there no nightingales? He loved the, the sound of these nightingales. He loved what he heard. He, 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 he longed for that at home. And so what did he do when he got back home? Very, very wealthy man. Did all he needed to do. He, he, he wanted to find a way to get, his, to get his birds, to get birds singing in his property. He longed for that day. He looked in, and, and, and wanted it so much. And so he, he realized that what, what can I possibly do? What I think what I could do is simply this. I can, I can go and I can have some hunters come in. And he hired hunters to come into his property and he looked and he said I've got a lot of birds of prey and these birds of prey are pushing out all the nightingales and all the birds of peace on my property and so he hired these hunters to come in and to take out all the birds of prey and he realized that once there was none left that finally in the distance he heard a song and the next day he heard another song singing and finally he sat up on his porch and he realized 
that I am now hearing the sounds of hundreds of nightingales singing in the fields of my land. And the only thing I had to do was get rid of anything that came in to knock them out and to keep them out rather than have all the things that come in to destroy the song in your life. I'd rather say I'm going to invite in what's going to come and sing a song of peace in my life. I, I want so much what the Lord has for me. See, the Bible tells about a young ruler named Phoenix. Or Felix, I'm sorry. Oh, I can never get these glasses back on. <laughs> there, was a, there was a moment where he was given this, this, this understanding of how he could possess. The master spoke to him and said, Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and follow me. And he went away and, 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 and had, another, had another that was living in his heart. It was the love of gold and the love of all the things that he could possibly possess. And he simply spoke the word. He said, not this time. I don't, I don't, I don't want it this time. I'm not looking for it now. Uh, this, this is not the moment. And he walked away, yes, full with gold and silver, but lacking in everything that he truly desired. As I come to a close this morning, I've, I've come to simply encourage somebody. Is it possible we've given ourselves everything that we, 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 could, we could possibly, we picked up everything we could. We, we are living in a life, in a world, in a, in, a, in a time where we have everything we need. If we don't have it, guess what? We can just simply say, Alexa. Alexa, order me those glasses I've been looking at, the ones that are easier to put on your head. <laughs> We can simply speak it and it's delivered. It comes quickly. We aren't, we aren't looking anymore. We aren't, we aren't looking. Our eyes aren't set any longer. And I've come to simply ask that maybe we should, we should just, just, just remove a few things. We should set some things down and, and get rid of the burden of all that life has brought. I'm not talking about just possessions, but I'm talking about mindsets. Of it'll never change. It's, it's, it's not going to get better. It, it, it's never, those days are behind us. It's, it's, it's never going to be, it's never going to be okay. You, you, you'll never see that. No, no, I'm talking about mindsets. I'm talking about making my mind up that, I'm looking. I wake up in the morning. I'm looking, Lord. I go to bed at night. And I'm looking for you. My kids are far from God, but I'm not giving up. I'm talking to some mom or dad in here. Do you still have the hope and the expectancy? I'm not talking about. Oh, I know. No, I'm talking about where you can see them in the altar. The expectancy. Where you know where they're coming back. Your mind's made up. I know they're coming back. Where you can, when that day comes, you can say, Lord, I knew, I knew you'd show up. I'd made room for you. I'd made room for you. 
I knew it was going to happen. I knew you'd make a way out of no way. Are you praying the prayers right now? Are you praying the prayer right now to, to allow him to know, Lord, I've made room. I've made room for you. I want you, God. I, I, I want the expense that comes with you. I want the time and the investment. I want to get rid of some other things, God. I, I get rid of it. I, 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 want, I want out of the frustration and all the stuff. And I, I want you. I want you, God. Because when you, when you will relieve yourself of all the, the mindsets and the worries and all the things... You now find yourself with nothing of your own accord. But now, now you just simply wait. And when you begin to wait, you begin to define what you're waiting for. and You begin to understand what you're looking for. And you begin to make room. You've made room. Now the Lord just simply wants to come in and do a work in your life. I believe strongly the innkeeper that had shut that door on this family. Because, because simply he was not expecting him. I believe also he did not recognize what was happening. He was looking for something different. He was caught up in all the business of the season. But he also simply, simply believed that he just did not want everything that came along with the burden. And I've come to tell you right now that you ought to open your eyes again. Open your eyes and look up unto the Lord and know right now that this is the season that we should long for more than ever for visitation of God in our lives. We should long for more than any other time for Him to sweep into our hearts. We should be reminded more than any other time that He looked down and said, no, I want so badly to have them in my life that I'm willing to step down from from glory and robe myself in flesh and come down not as a ruler but yet a meek and lowly servant. I'm willing to be born on a in a stable. I'm willing to be born in the in, in, in the stall with the animals just simply so I can get close to my people. You see it wasn't just simply that we want to be near to him but he wanted to be near to us. He wants to be close to us. Not only close he wants to live in us and he's longing for someone to simply make room. Just make room. Right now, even we, 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 we got to get somewhere. We got to hurry somewhere. We got to. I'm asking, would you just simply make room for a moment? As you stand to your feet, would you, would you simply take a moment right now? If you're, if you're near somebody that you walked into the church with or you feel comfortable with, I wonder right now if you'd reach over and take them by the hand and begin to pray together and say, God, I, I want to make room. I want to make room for you, Lord. I, I want to make room for you in my life right now. I'm longing you do a work right now in my heart, my mind, God, I pray. In Jesus' name. Come on, I'm going to let you pray for a moment right now. Would you lift your voice to him for a moment? Would you lift your voice with expectancy and longing? I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.